Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Jesper Kidd for Borderlands 3, which has been one of my personal favorite series ever since I played the first one so many years ago. First of all, the music is great. Uh, Second of all, the writing is great. And uh, to continue that, I love the art, I love the characters, the weapons are great, the powers. It's hilarious, it makes me laugh, all of it. Love it all. Love Borderlands. And yes, the music is fantastic for the newest one, Borderlands 3. All the master plan of the music supervisor, Rayson Varner. I had the pleasure of interviewing them together, Jesper Kid and Rayson Varner, and it wasn't my first chat with either of them. Uh, be alert, <laughs> there is some spoiler talk about the final act of the game. It's right around the 45th minute uh, because Rayson wrote the music for the final act. So we talk about it just the tiniest bit. There's really no super duper huge plot lines revealed or anything. Just the area he scored was never talked about and you don't get there till the very end. So if you want to remain completely spoiler free, right around the 45th minute, I ask him about... Um, you know, what part of the game he scored, and that's when he starts talking about the final act. So, again, no big, huge narrative story things are revealed, but um, I guess that depends on your perspective. So if you want to stay safe, just skip that part and uh, save it until you finish the game. Well, hello to both of you, officially. Hello. Hey. (laughs) Uh, And I've just been obviously looking forward to this uh, for a long time. Um, Jesper, of course, you and I have spoken countless times. It's just just been a while. Uh, It has, yeah. Yeah, so I'm super excited about that. And Rayson, you and I spoke once, and it's been probably five years, five, six years, something like that. So... Um, what a nice pleasure to, to have you back as well and, and get to talk to both of you about, I mean, Borderlands 3. Who wouldn't want to talk about that? <laughs> so, and I guess one of my favorite things about this is that uh, you two, Rayson, um, you've been a part of the team since the first one as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was the audio lead in Bo- Borderlands 1. Uh, I was the audio lead on Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. And then for uh, Borderlands 3, uh, I mostly head up, headed up. Well, I don't know if that's true. I wore a lot of hats on BL3, but my title now is uh, music supervisor. Okay. Um, but I still do a lot of sound design. So, like, I did all the ratches in the game. Uh, I did a bunch of creatures. I did the major, almost all of the UI sound design. And oh, wow. So, I, I still do all that stuff. I still do the voice of the psycho and write for the psycho bandit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and I, I do, just since you brought it up, uh, UI, from what I understand, isn't there kind of like a special breed of audio person that enjoys doing UI kind of sound? Uh, I I would say that's the Foley artist. That's the special kind of person in my book that <laughs> can do that kind of content day in and day out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, there's definitely a, there's definitely a unique challenge to UI because it's so information laden mm-hmm. and it's also so abstract. That you could go in like almost any direction. So it's almost like a problem of too much freedom. And so you can get kind of analysis paralysis. But also it's like you can make a small tweak to a sound and then it completely feels different. And it's it's a little bit 
unusual from the rest of the content that I make that it's the hardest for me to listen to in a session and predict how it's going to feel. Like oh, everything else, even after 10 years of doing game audio sound design, like I can usually, you know, you can grok kind of if this is going to work or not when you're making it. Uh, but UI, it's like I'll throw something in. I'm like, this is definitely going to work. <laughs> and then I throw it in and I go, that is definitely not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, also, uh, it, it also plays at a place where you're listening to those sounds without any distractions from all the other chaos going on in the game. I right. mean, yes. they're very, like, they like, there they are in all their beauty, you know, and the same thing with like the the menu music, you know, it's it's a unique place to be and, and I think work on because everybody is not distracted. Everybody's focused on, on that menu, right? right? Well, yep. and you hear yeah. both of the both of those are perfect examples of something that we hear all the time as gamers in that game also. Because I mean, how many times do we first of all turn it on and walk away? whether on purpose so that we can hear the menu music over and over again or just because we get distracted at home or something and then there's just menu music playing all the time. And so it's great when it's good because that's... You know, you know I, I, I must say that that is, is really unusual the way, um, uh, you know, we approach this menu music and the way uh, Rayson asked me to do this music because not... For, first of all, the music was long. I believe you asked for like a five-minute menu track, right? Yep, and um, and then it was like, and we're also going to do a five-minute uh, night version of that menu track for when the screen turns, uh, you know, to yeah. to a night time scenario. So right off the bat, you have ten minutes of menu music that just uh, goes and loops, and yeah. um, on top of that, the menu screen is entertaining. You got claptack running around, and <laughs> you got you got uh, you know entertaining stuff happening. So it really. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite unusual that, that there's so much work put into this menu, and it just, in, yeah. in my experience, it just feels good hanging out there. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've, I've read so many messages how people are just like, when they started up the game, they ended up hanging out in the menu for like, you know, five, ten minutes, just like getting a feel and listening and, mm -hmm. and looking around. And I think that's really very, very cool. The other cool, amazing thing is that that menu music is so, um, I mean, to me, it's so different than what the others have been. I mean, obviously, melodically it is, clearly, but the tone in and of itself, it's, to me, a lot darker in the first place. And so uh, it's just, you know, to get kind of drawn in, but it also immediately sounds like Borderlands, so you're in this Borderlands, new Borderlands place, and it, it's just really compelling, you know? Yeah, because uh, the interesting thing is that back in BL2, we were so focused on the environment changes and everything that we really focused the BL2 theme. I remember that's what Jesper and I talked about years ago on that one is um, kind of tying all of his approaches to the varying environments together into one piece. Because each main, each menu for each Borderlands game actually feels to me like it's functionally different. Like there's, like there's, a, there's, a, there's a different take on the menu, even though we have some recurring themes and stuff like that, the menu and the place that the menu was was uh, 
I guess you could say the place it was occupying for uh, for Borderlands 3 is it just felt like, okay, we need to kind of make this more emotional. Uh, we need to make this more about some of the themes of like family and that we are going to go on a journey, but it's not like... It's not like BL2 where it's like, okay, get ready and pack for this really eventful thing. It just is really this nice, welcoming uh, kind of space that still has a lot of uh, emotion in it. And because that's that's a recurring theme with Jesper and I, we talk about this all the time of like emotionality of the music and the storytelling behind the music. And because um, oftentimes I kind of feel like, you know, many times in games, you could throw the music in almost any direction. And at some point, you'll marry it up together and it'll just work, you know, as a function of just association. Yeah. But, uh, but that's something that I've always tried to do in our, in our, in our menus is, is uh, and in talking with Jesper, is just do something that kind of has this kind of narrative statement. Because Borderlands also isn't a game that has like sonic branding, so to speak. It's not like we don't have the, here's the Borderlands the melody that plays in every single game. and Right. So... Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. It's something we talked about a lot, and I I remember, uh, you know, bringing this up all the time, and 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 it's something that uh, I think, you know, I think race and, and us we both really embraced this idea of of doing something that was very melodic, and um, I felt especially for Eden Six, it's so colorful, you know, and it, it, there's there's just so much entertainment all the time. Why shouldn't the music also feel really colorful and entertaining and um, like everything is turned up to 11, even, you know, especially with like the, the atmosphere too, you know, not just the actual sounds, but the, the, the melodic structure in it can be uh, entertaining too. I mean, there, I remember there's like a, a boss battle we did in there and it just became this really huge emotional thing. And uh, it, 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 that, you know, when I started Borderlands 3, if, if, like say, Raisin would have played me that track and said, "Jesper, check out what you did in a year or whatever." <laughs> I would have been like, "No way," you know, because it, it's <laughs> like it's it just sounds like so. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's so out there, right? I mean, the, this this kind of freedom we ran with, I think, to try to make something really fun, and it's also I feel like fan. You know, we're giving the fans, I think, what uh, something you know that they're really gonna appreciate. With with some of these really melodic things, yeah. so so it's something like you you can definitely listen to this music. I feel a lot when you have those those melodies. Um, yeah, and I I think we're going so emotional with the uh, the the main menu music was just a really interesting um, direction for me. What 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 I wanted to do there was something that felt like you know adventure awaits or something, or like mm. you're looking at this treasure box and it's not opened yet, but you know there's something big in there, mm. yeah. and and as soon as you open it up, you're going on this grand journey, but you haven't gone yet, you know, and we're still just sitting here waiting. Yeah. That's you know what I what, what it feels like. And, and, and finally, I think, you know, writing that track at the end of the project was also super helpful because 
Oh, it was one of the last ones you wrote? Yeah, it was one of the last yep. ones. I think after this one, I wrote the cinematics, and that was it. So this was okay. the la last in-game uh, track I wrote, and it just felt like I could take everything that we've learned on all the Borderlands so far, um, including like the pre-sequel and those games, and, and wrap it up into this kind of sci-fi sound, but um, also quite minimal. You know, the, the instrumentation yeah. in that track is, I think, very minimal. Uh, apart from the uh, the live African rhythms, everything feels quite minimal, and it's not very like, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's not saying, hey, you know, look at look at me. It's just sitting very much yeah. just over here, and it's just like you do whatever you want over there. I'm gonna be over here doing my thing, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not trying to dazzle you with complexity or anything. And like uh, I was telling you, I actually like the night version uh, the best. had an opportunity with Borderlands 3 to really explore textural work as well. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of music in the game that's really more textural than it is necessarily melodic um, as like a mode that the score can kind of exist within. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, I agree. Agree with everything Jesper's saying, and it's funny because I think it was what, what Jesper it was like within two days we had a, uh, a piano rendition of it. Uh, we had this like synthwave remix of it, and <laughs> I haven't looked this week, but I bet you there's other there's more remixes already. Oh, there's got to so, be. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, Jesper, I hear the Firestone theme in there. Did you were you inspired by that at all, or is that just pure coincidence? It's. I think it's coincidence. Okay. I really wanted uh, to write something, uh, you know, different. Um, oh, it's different. I, yeah. I, I, th <laughs> I, I, I'm on my own journey as well, you know, so I'm always challenging myself. Uh, and uh, over the last few years, I have been especially, uh, tr you know, working on my melodic writing. So for me, it was something mm -hmm. that, that felt like I can, uh, I have more to offer as far as uh, my melodic writing. So I need, you know, I, I need, I want to, ex you know, express everything I can and, um so that's that's more where that whole um, passion is is coming from, um, you know. So, it, it, you know, Borderlands Two was a while ago, and uh, I think you know we have to keep evolving. It seemed overall to me too that, if I remember right, the pre-sequel music was far more electronic than what the previous uh, Borderlands scores had been, and it, there was a kind of a sonic shift there, wasn't there, between those the first two and the pre-sequel? 
Well, when when Handsome Jag, uh, you know, uh, his storyline was fully um, supported in, in, in pre-sequel. I mean, that was, you know, he has a, a base on the moon, right? Or, or something yep. like this. And, yeah. and so you go to the moon and you go to outer space. Uh, that was something that needed a huge ship shift, you know, yeah, I was yeah. told. And I was also totally in agreement with, I think that was a... A good idea, but ever since those scores, pre-sequel and also Claptastic Voyage afterwards, um, this this whole um, sci-fi um, sound um, is something that I that I brought back to Borderlands 3 in in places as well. Whenever yeah. um, it's whenever it's a, it, it's a good idea, you know, to, to to go there. So that really opened up the the palette of what um, the Borderlands sound, in my eyes, uh, you know, could be. Also, really, I'm curious how you two uh, came up with such a, the, the, you know, what I've loved about the music from day one with the whole series is it's just laid back. The tempo is laid back. You never feel. I mean, boss fights, sure, one thing that's that's totally, and there are specific times and places for it. But it's just so. How do you come up with that tempo for the for the game like that? How did you guys come come upon that? Well, isn't it? it yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say real quick, isn't it funny how like when when people talk about Borderlands, there's a lot of comics like oh Borderlands whoop whoop and yeah um, yep. or uh, you know you look at the Borderlands two trailers and they're full of this kind of really aggressive electronic music. So <laughs> there is this kind of like um, you know I think there are these thoughts that the soundtrack must be like that too. But then when yeah. you play Borderlands two, it's just like you say, it's actually quite like serene and relaxing and, yep. and, and you know supports this state of exploration yeah um i mean i think on borderlands 3 we really got the electronic you know side in 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 more full force now than we've had before um yep. but it's a good observation for sure Yeah, it, it really is funny because uh, we do, we spend a lot of time, there's, there's uh, we, I, I often talk about, um, oh man, I, this is such an abused word, but the juxtaposition <laughs> between, uh, you know, really beautiful, pretty music and <clears throat> the bandit screaming. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, on the face of it, if you were looking at these things and if you were designing an aesthetic, you'd be like, these two things are incompatible. These two things do not work together. You know, they're not complementary. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be true. But once you marry them together within the full experience of the game, and that, like, like I said before, that emotionality in the music starts to meld with your experience, like it just creates these like layers of narrative. 
And that's that's how I view the music in the series. Um, and uh, having those those kind of layers layers of narrative and having that really pretty music, it's like it's something that really I think draws people into the world. But it is funny because usually people talk about the you know the the hard you know sledgehammer and the face you know boss EDM <laughs> yeah. and yeah. we really definitely went that direction for bosses in BL3. EDM. But we also. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, like, heavy EDM influence on a lot of the combat music also, but we also doubled down on really long, pretty, beautiful, and then also really sparse music. So, like, you know, in both directions, we basically amped it up and we got a little bit more uh, nuanced at the same time. You know, so. and I, th I think that kind of approach also, uh, like you said, not only does it add a lot of depth to the world, you know, that you're not always just doing what people are expecting you to do, you know, but you're adding a little bit, uh, you're, you're picking a little bit from the Borderlands world, but not necessarily what you see on screen, you know, yep. to just expand what's going on. And um, also, if you have, you know, bandits and they look badass and they're acting evil, um, and you just play, you know, music that's badass and sounds evil, <laughs> you know, that's nothing wrong with that. And that has to be done too. But if you look at it like you are exploring that area of the map, for example, um, why not try to humanize these bandits and give them some story and some history and, and figure out, you know, where do they come from a little bit? And that's <laughs> something if you have some exploration music that goes in a direction that gives you something outside of the badass and evil, you know, then your mind as a gamer, you, it starts to think about these things. And it's like, why is this music not badass evil right now? These are <laughs> supposed to be mm. evil people. And, and you start coming up with ideas in your head. And as a gamer, that's the kind of stuff that I really respond to when I'm playing a game, when the game actually treats you like, you know, an adult instead of just holding your hand all the time and telling you you should feel bad because these are bad people. Yep. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I love when it goes deeper than that. That's really something that I always look for. And, and uh, you know, being a gamer, that's I love that when that happens in a game. Well, often uh, times will be a level where the narrative of the level itself doesn't, isn't as musically thematically strong. And so I will talk to Jesper about a different narrative to build in the music. And we focus on things. And so his, his track, Exploring the Dormant Ship, is, is a good example. That's the very first thing we worked on for the series. And even though the ship isn't ancient per se, it's not a lost technology. Uh, they are technically not dinosaurs, <laughs> the Saurians <laughs> in Eden 6, um, but, I, but musically, uh, it's a strong theme within gaming as well to say, well, you know what? We're going to be exploring this mysterious swamp of this ancient technology, and we're going to accidentally wake up the ship, and when the ship wakes up, like all of a sudden, all the wildlife gets violent and it starts coming for you.
build this kind of narrative in our heads before we were really writing anything. Mm -hmm. And Jesper then can take that in whatever other direction makes sense for him and it still is going to work. And then that really comes through. It, comes, it helps with the melodic writing. It helps with uh, the tone of the track. Um, and it gives us something where we can also focus on our own narrative when the game op oftentimes isn't even ready. When we started working on that, with there barely any textures in place. We, the mission was always broken. It was like one of these maps that, like, I was broken 90% of the time of development. <laughs> that, you know, and so we're trying to work around that and and all the state of the game. And then, like, maybe it worked for three days this one week, but I just didn't know. And then I jump in the fourth day when it's broken again. <laughs> you know, so you know, amidst that chaos we can weave our own narrative and then that gives us this really strong base to operate from independently of the game. It's something that I've always pushed for in our writing as well is to is to write our, our enemies almost like their monologues. So if you do enough of that, uh, and I do this with the Psycho to, a, to an extent, uh, even though he's just so wacky, it's hard to like follow a thread there. <laughs> but you know, like every once in a while, he he makes revealing statements. In Borderlands 2, you, you, you know, we'd have workers that like, when their death line was like, I thought I was going home. You know, like things of communicating stuff like that, uh, which, when you're not focusing on like the type of guy it is or the information you need to broadcast. Uh, I try to do a similar thing with music and then um, if we do enough of that with the writing and the music, we start, those things start to synthesize into, because that's how you get depth, that's how something feels, feels deep. Because when you just do it on the nose and you say, here's the emotion you should feel right now and then you yeah. just give them that emotion, you're not leaving enough room for them to get there on their own. And I, I want to add here and, and just say real quick that I think our uh, conversations that we've had, I think we've had way more conversations about the music on this title and I think anything we've worked on before. Yeah. Um, because when you, for example, like, like Rezin said, when you have a level that's so broken, you know, it's just not going to inspire you. I'm sorry, but it's it's just, yeah. it, you know, you just got to on... on uh, how do you say? You just got to stop looking at that, you know, unconnect from that moment. Yeah. And so I had all this great concept art, um, but the concept art can be very, uh, it's almost too much creative freedom because you're looking at these pictures, but you don't really know what's the narrative or how are these pictures sure. actually going to come alive. Um, so that's, you know, it becomes very helpful when we have these these talks about how can we build a narrative, even though we don't have everything in front of us that we need. Um, and I think that's that's another reason that the the, the, the music turned out um, the way it did is because we we were able to really, um, you know, talk about these things in depth. You know, when you're just playing the game, it doesn't always give you all the information you need. And um, I think each composer works differently, so each composer is going to have different questions. But I think it's important to take time and sit and and think about these questions and come up with questions because if you if you you know you can't just tell every 
you know, the different composers working on this title, the same thing. Everybody is going to mm -hmm. react differently, you know. So it's yep. important for, for us to come up with our own questions and then have a conversation about it. And then stuff will start to come out musically. Um, and, and whoever you ask to write it, it will come out differently, you know, for each mm -hmm. composer, of course. Sure. Yeah, because I, I work differently with each composer because it really is based on, like, personality, approach, and, yeah. uh, and everything. I, actually, I, I talk differently. I frame things differently. Um, and so that's something that I do on my end is, is I try to, you know, understand the way that everyone else is understanding things. And then I try to speak or use a voice that, that will most connect with that. Well, I mean, you do have to deal with multiple composers working yeah. on the same project, which, you know, there's – it can't be too all over the place, you yeah. know, so – well, that's the benefit we have is that we had different planets, you know. So each yep. composer was supposed to deliver a different, um, you know, style within the Borderlands universe. And I just thought that was such an interesting idea to have, you know, different composers working on entire planets. So as soon as you enter that planet, until the moment you leave that planet, you're hearing a, a one unified vision. Um, yep. I think that's really cool. So the way that we I ended up, you know, kind of like picking composers for planets too is that each person that I was thinking about scoring that area before, and this is before we even contacted everyone, um, but each, each like I viewed that as actually part of the story arc. And so the shift from one planet to the other planet to the other planet where you get that shift in composer as well, it starts to just kind of form like it's like your whole Eden 6 experience in Act 2 is going to feel like very personable to that. And that memory becomes part of the arc of the story as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's also why I, you know, and there's, there's a whole bunch of other sympathetic uh, benefits of that too because each composer then doesn't have to worry about, wait, well, what did that guy do for that level? Do I need then? You know, you don't get all these little distortions into everyone's voices, yep. uh, their creative voices, uh, that you would get otherwise if they were trying to like, well, is it too much of a jump? Like, I have a completely different idea. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the project, everyone it's almost like everyone has their own album. Yeah. And the cool thing with that is that eclecticism is like is essentially what has defined Borderlands approach to music throughout all the series because the music's always fairly eclectic. There's always something that's very Borderlands about it. I mean, I could try to wax philosophical on that, but if you sit and actually listen to the scores, like they're all they're all very different. And so I I like to think that that um, it's that eclecticism that that keeps it fresh as well, and and it's a formula that like wouldn't apply to other games. This isn't this isn't like an approach to music that I would say you could then carry over to any other project you're on, but it's the approach that has always felt really some like solid and unique to Borderlands. It's 
such a long experience as well. I mean, it's not like one of these seven, eight hours of, uh, you know, gameplay. It's like right. people are playing this 20, 30 hours and still discovering stuff, you know? So yeah. it is just uh, f for one composer to compose the whole thing, it, it would have just to be a massive, you know, massive yeah. un endeavor. You know? I, can't, I can't even imagine because as it is, you wrote almost two hours of music, right, Jesper? Probably right. at least. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's so yeah, much music. Yeah, so our uh, <laughs> our soundtrack is almost six hours long. Wow! Um, and that's with that's with composers cutting out some material that felt like it was filler for the game space. Mm. And uh, we have a very very aggressive year of DLC lined up as well. So that a year from now, uh, I can't wait to see how many hours. I'm I would not be surprised. Like my my <laughs> my, my kind of kind of half-joking goal is if we have a soundtrack larger than Final Fantasy for a Borderlands game, like, that's going to be that's going to be where our RPG credentials, like, finally land fully. Like, <laughs> and more then we music than Final Fantasy. And then we have to do, you know, then we'll have to do a piano concert of the whole thing. 12 hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Solo piano. <laughs> no breaks. to talk just about a couple of specific specific tracks um if if we could uh yes please um and you you brought up a little bit ago race and you brought up jesper's in uh, the exploring the dormant ship track and this is a really amazing track i love the you know there's some fun two against three stuff going on in there jesper with just playing with time and uh and such and also um, just some really great, sure sounds like live instruments to me, but could potentially be samples. I don't know, but I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about that track. Uh, yeah, there's mostly live instruments on there. I had a lot of fun playing. I have this giant Russian cedar that I'm jamming on in this one. Um, <laughs> I so knew it, it was something it's, like that. It's, uh, it's actually a dulcimer. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, okay. It's, yeah, it's a big dulcimer. So that's, that became um, uh, a big part of the track. Um you know, so yeah, there's there's a lots of live stuff in there. Most of the elements is live. There's there's cello and, and violin and um, you know spaced out pianos and and stuff like this. But it was actually the like Racing said the first track we worked on. Um, it was a track that I wrote without thinking about the music system. Um, it mm. was very uh, it was important and helpful to me to figure out what is the sound and atmosphere of this planet before trying to squeeze that into a music system. You know, that would just mm. be too many things at once. To, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I needed, you know, we needed that sound and um, Rayson was totally on board with that uh, approach. Um, so, so this track feels very um, free of the, the music system's um, grasp, you could say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, I don't remember the name. We, we gave the name with a music system a name there for a while because it was just, it was just this like looming <laughs> evil in the oh, background. Man. And we were like, yeah, yeah. how are we going to freaking figure this out? Because it was just... <laughs> I can't remember what we were calling it either. It was, we had to give it yeah. a name so, we could, uh, so I could just like swear, you know, swear and and stuff about this one, you know? <laughs> God yeah. damn it, you know? So, but about that, are <laughs> yeah. you are you meaning that 
free of the music system, meaning it, it you didn't like create it in stems and such, or, or well, can you- Ra- Raisin can talk a little bit more about that. But 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 in in general, what uh, you know, what it works in in the music system, everything is modular. So if you have an expiration track, you usually want like maybe four or five parts in there that you then um, you know record separately, and they have their reverbs tailed so they can just kind of stand on their own. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it has to sound like one piece of flowing music, so it still has to be created together uh, and then on top of that we have uh, seven layers uh, that I give Raisin and those seven layers are being mixed together randomly um, always like two or three layers playing at a time so there's just a lot of things that has to work together and it has to sound natural as well you know I I feel like if, if you can hear the music system in the background doing its thing then I feel like, oh, maybe we, we can do better because I don't want it to sound systemic, you know? It needs to mm. be natural, mm-hmm. especially for Eden 6 because it's such a... Yep. The main sound we work with was organic. It's not like it's a high-tech place. It's very... It has high-tech stuff hidden, but in general, what you see is, is quite like, you know, it's, it's swamps and, and, and marshlands and basins and, and water. So it it very it was very important that it get this organic feel and I think that was the the hardest challenge was finding how to make something organic with a, such a systemic music system. very complex actually. So uh, like Jesper said, it's like we have gradients of intensity uh, that we call sections. Uh, we have a concept of parts, which is essentially like, a, you know, it could be a four bar, an eight bar uh, segment of music. Uh, but each one of these parts, uh, and they could be as long as 32 bars as well. It's really up to the composers uh, how they, how they, they want to build that stuff out. But each part is comprised of seven layers. Okay. And we have a concept of interest, and we have a concept of threat in the game. Uh, and we're, we pull threat out of, like, what enemies you're facing. There's other, envir- there's other variables like your health, is your shield down? You know, threat is essentially our, our attempt to kind of distill a sense of how challenging the game is uh, for a player. And then we have interest, which controls, like, how many of those seven layers are playing at any given time. Within each of those seven layers, we also have sets of random options. So say you have like a four-bar musical phrase. Mm -hmm. Every single time it plays the bass line, well, we have three or four different bass lines it could pick from. And then we have three or four different percussion parts that could pick from. And then uh, we pick parts randomly within a section. And so there's, there's, there's so much recombination going on that one of the biggest challenges was, okay, how do we not sacrifice any of our personality and soul uh, in the music, but then take it to this next level of interactivity? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I have to name drop Julian Peterson here. He's our audio coder, and he's also a, a composer himself. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, this, this was largely kind of a brainchild of his kind of uh, interactive music and generative music. Um, uh, well, he was a professor of electronic music before he uh 
uh, became a programmer and joined games. Oh, cool. And so he's rich in you know traditions like John Cage and that kind of thing. And so he's bringing a lot of that non-traditional or 20th century approach, but also with a like kind of a computer-generated music uh, um, theme to it and bringing it into the game. And then we married it up with system work that we had to predict threat. And so... As you can imagine, this is so complex that if we sat there and tried to do something that was really unique and emotional, oh, and by the way, for the first attempt, you know, work that into this, and oh, by the way, they're going to all recombine, and and I can't tell you which part, you know, like it would just that would just leave someone like totally with like <laughs> totally perplexed as to like, well, wh- where do we even start? Right, mm-hmm. and it has like combat low, combat high, you know, exploration. Yeah. So it ha- it's So all this he just described is just basically one track, right? Yeah. And so we have multiple tracks, of course, for the different maps. So, you know, with, with exploration, combat low, combat high, and end boss music is usually. And sometimes we have a additional. Sometimes we have like two exploration tracks, or so we have a more ambient exploration track. Uh, so it's like uh, four or five of these tracks, and some of these tracks end up being like, you know, ten minutes long. It's yeah. like when I did music, we called that world uh, wetlands. I forget what it's called on the uh, the Floodmore Basin. Yeah, oh. the Floodmore Basin. Yeah, like a ten-minute track. So okay, that was difficult to write, and that was definitely a challenge. But when I listen to it now, I'm like, whoa, this music is really unusual because it's ten minutes mm. long. And it never repeats any parts. It yeah. just keeps going and going. Yep. And you're like, whoa, yep. what is this kind of music? This is not the kind of music that you usually hear. Right. Uh, so this music system did end up creating some very interesting and I feel entertaining music because there was no way that I could kind of just be, I, it's not a good word, uh, lazy, but you know, <laughs> I always had to be on my feet. You know, yeah. oh, here's the baseline. Guess what? The next part is coming up. You're going to have to make some variations to your best baseline. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, so you're, you're always on your feet delivering a astounding amount of just content. And so in the end, uh, we have these like Treasures of the Vault is another one. Yeah. It just never repeats anything. It just keeps going. And I'm yep. always like, is this too much for just one <laughs> eight-minute track? Should we, you know, divide it into three? Or But I, I decided to leave them like that on the soundtrack because I want people to hear that this is a different kind of music that this system has actually ended up creating. can tell just by looking at the track times that's i mean that's you can just see oh well this is not mm. common <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yeah, it's, yeah. it's great and then you listen to it and you're like well that's not either you know you think that would repeat 17 times and loop over and over and yeah no it's awesome yeah yeah and it's interesting because you can hear how the system influenced everyone's writing and in, in those tracks because there are certain tracks that are just very obviously it's like 
kind of segmented and it switches up and it changes as you go throughout. And that's kind of the cool thing about the uh, about the uh, the soundtrack is that um, you're also going to hear things in the soundtrack that you don't hear in the main game because there were certain pieces that just didn't lend themselves to a soundtrack. Because mm. if I took up if I took this the writing I actually did for my area of the game, mm-hmm. if I actually just put that up. Uh, in and how it was produced for that, it wouldn't have made any sense. Right. Like it just like it would have been okay, but it would have just like oh, it just starts and then it just stops. Yeah. And yeah. It just all mixed up, and so uh, when you're listening to, uh, for example, uh, Malawan is here. In game, a baseline from the first minute could be playing with a percussion part from minute three, which could be playing with chord changes from minute two, and so. <laughs> <laughs> when you're listening to it, you're listening to, well, here's, I guess, how I would just pick to put these together. Uh, but in game, you know, you're having maybe just the bass line and percussion is playing. And there's no chords and melody. And then there's filtering going on. And so there's, there's just so many different things happening that it just makes the music so dynamic. But we didn't, and, but one of the things I'm just really proud of is that, like, because when you listen to the soundtrack, like, we did not sacrifice our identity at all. Like, no. it totally holds up. And that's the thing that, like, at the end of the game, when, you know, we push that ship out to sea, I'm just kind of clapping and going, oh, I think it worked. (laughs) I think it worked. Yeah, I, th- I feel like were we uh, the guinea pigs here because man, we really had to fight, you know, to get it <laughs> sounding like this. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah Rayson, sorry. what was your area then? Did you have a whole planet? Yeah, so I scored the uh, the final act uh, of the game. Uh, it's a smaller act than the rest of the acts, but that area that I scored is called Necrodefeo. And uh, it was originally a spoiler. So this is actually the first time that I've been able to even talk about any of the work. Um, and so soon I'll be able to start putting up some, some clips of it as well. Uh, but pretty much the only people that have heard it are people who have gotten to the end of the game. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Okay. Y- yeah. So this time around, 2K was very, very careful. And I was kind of astounded that we actually pulled it off that I don't think there was any public mention of Necrodefeo until after the game released, and I haven't seen a lot of mentions of it uh, <laughs> still yet. Nice. Um, so in a way, you know, I was, uh, uh, I didn't have time to write music until the very end of the project, and so I got to watch everyone else's problems <laughs> along the way. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, it seemed to uh, me that there was kind of this wavy tuning motif going on there. I really loved how you did it almost like a warped record kind of would, would kind of come in and out of pitch, you know? Yes. Um... So uh, that is, so mostly uh, I wish I had more analog synths uh, to work with, but uh, my entire uh, synth work was all uh, soft synths. So um, that is, and oftentimes with soft synths, you know, you can have, even if you use all the effects inside the synth, um, you can really, really change uh, the tenor and the tone of it. 
based on what's all in your insert chain afterwards. Mm -hmm. So uh, basically, um, I really got that kind of like wavy tuning uh, going on in the background because we really wanted this planet to feel unsettling. Then the a lot of that that kind of um, buzzy big bass that kind of rolls up and down into pitch. Um, that was a bass that was like very heavily inspired by an artist named Lorne, um, and it was a it's a very different sound than what I originally built for another project. But starting with that sound, you know, I'm running the synth output through to tape emulation machines, and then that tape machine feeds into the next tape machine. And then there's some additional distortion, and there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff after the chain that if, that if I turned that chain off and you just played the synth, like it wouldn't really sound the way it does. And so playing with pitch and using uh, like pitch bending and bending into pitches that are out of key and using dissonance in that way has always been like one of the elements that we've used in all the scores. But because the, the, the planet was almost asleep in a sense, uh, I wrote a lot of the ambient music almost like there's they were lullabies. So I wanted to be feel alien, to feel unsettling, but I also wanted to be sparkly, have a sparkly texture to it. Um, and the whole planet's like deep purple, uh, and the creatures on it are, you know, have that classic, really just strange Borderlands vibe to them. Nice. And uh, and so yeah, and so one of the, the coolest parts is when we had internal focus testing here. One of our, uh, you know, I, we had gotten some test feedback. One of the the testers was definitely a. Um, had either music training or was a music fan. And I was so thrilled because they came back and they said, you know, this planet made me feel almost like I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be, but I found it in a dream and everything's still half asleep. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that's like, that's awesome. That's exactly, that was the story I was trying to tell. This has been the most fun I've had on the Borderlands franchise for sure. And uh, I, I don't know, I, when I listen to what I wrote, I, I think uh, the creativity really came out on this one. And I think, you know, it was also really encouraged to come out on this one. Um, and so that's what made it such a rich experience for me. Um, I think I've mentioned this before that it's the most varied score I feel I've done for Borderlands. And which when I started the project, I wouldn't have expected that because when you are confined to one planet, 
um, you know, full of swamplands and, and, and marshlands and stuff, you might start thinking it's going to be a singulary kind of sound. Uh, but it did not end up like that at all. And um, so it was, it was super fun to work on. A lot of the um, previous Borderlands music, we were more confined to some of the tracks that was a bit shorter. Um, mm. And when you have a shorter track, you introduce, for example, a melody, but you don't have time to really, um, you know, establish it nicely with, with, where, it, where it kind of flows in and it gives you a hint of the melody and then the melody comes out in force and guess what? I'm going to play the melody on a different instrument now yeah. and then guess what? We're going to go over here now and have a mm -hmm. third melody come on top of the second melody and wait, we're just going to keep going with this and then after like two, three minutes you've just had like five, six melodies and it just is something when I listen to that kind of music it makes me feel good, you know? Uh, yeah. That's the kind of music I'm into. And, <laughs> and in, instead of just introducing something and then immediately having to think about how do I get away from this? How do I go back into uh, the out uh, part of this track now? But with this project, I we really were able to get um, to the, the meat and potatoes and, and bring out the theme in, in, in its maximum form. Um, and that was really such a pleasing thing to, to be able to do that. Borderlands 3, to me, really feels like um, giving fans what they want, you know? That, mm -hmm. That's just kind of what I've taken out of this experience. And I think we've gone in every direction. I can't speak, of course, I can just speak for my music, but I feel that that's what we've done with the music too. Really try to give people something that they're going to find um, entertaining and, and, and fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, Borderlands is great because it offers you opportunity as a composer to to have your original voice. I don't want, I never want our composers to really sound like someone else. Um, I never want our composers to try to sound like the last game. Uh, mm. And it's funny because I think that's somewhat unusual, un unfortunately, yeah, because yeah. when I work with new composers on the series, I find it takes some time for them to actually feel comfortable with that. Because mm -hmm, they're like, mm -hmm. no, 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 surely, I know people say that all the time, but you know, here's the reference track you really want me to emulate. <laughs> but with me, it's actually, no, I actually seriously, like I actually reject, I'm rejecting uh, iterations because they sound too much like they're trying to sound like the previous game. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, in Borderlands, like I really want, like to give everyone the opportunity, it's, uh, you know, another way to put it is uh, competent fun, you know? <laughs> Uh, and, and if I had a tagline, like that would be it. Um, 
And uh, but they can do they have the opportunity to do really sparse, pretty music. And then mm-hmm. they have their po- opportunity to just like turn everything up to 11 and, and go all out on the boss track. And they can explore all of that and it all works. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's kind of the beauty of, of writing music for the series. Because sure. like, anything goes. Said the soundtrack's almost six hours long. We are in the process of getting that that ready, and we're hoping to have an announcement soon. Um, but we will also have uh, an announcement about vinyls as well. Nice. So uh, I can't share more information than that right now. But within the next couple of weeks, I believe that we'll have a lot more information. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to getting the soundtrack in everyone's hands. Well, thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it, and uh, awesome to speak with you. And yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Emily. It was great to talk to you. All right, thanks, Emily. Thanks for listening to episode one sixteen of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Jesper Kid at jesperkid.com, which is J-E-S-P-R-K-Y-D.com, and Rayson Varner on his SoundCloud at rvarner, which is R-V-A-R-N-E-R. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can support Level with Emily and see a playlist at patreon.com slash level. Follow us on Twitter at Level with Emily. And learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at TQ Web Services and Brad Gentle, who's a composer too. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. <laughs>